Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everybody, on this episode of the GH Report, it is 2017 and I guess you must have all got coal in your stocking because your gift is you have to deal with just me today on the GH Report. Let's do it. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Whoa, look at that. A little late, but we're still here for you this Sunday. It's the GH Report right here on AfterBuzz TV. Uh, I would say that there's all of us here today, but uh, look at this. It is just me, Lucretia. No, 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 no. You have me in here, That's too. true. You are correct. I'm never alone. That's right. <laughs> as long as you, know, as long as you look, uh, listen to that voice above or sideways, you're never alone. Yeah, I uh, guess sideways, <laughs> huh? I don't even think about that. That's true. Uh, so, hey, everybody. I'm your, well, I'm your single host uh, today, uh, Frank Moran. You can follow me on Twitter at Happy Go Jackie. Usually we have Lucretia Lyon and, of course, the, the dad that we all love the most, James Lutt Jr. Both are on assignment, traveling the world, signing uh, fans' autographs, answering fans' questions, giving yep. us lots of hugs like that. But... As you heard that voice, I am not alone. In the booth, uh, yeah, in the engineering booth, we've yeah. got Alexis Hello. Torres. Hello, everyone. Yeah, so look at that. So, uh, yes, so yeah. now. Uh, Never alone. I got you. you. One man wolf pack right now. Woo! You got this. You got this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, now, folks, you can always uh, like us on Facebook, uh, give us five stars on iTunes, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hop in the chat, share your thoughts about that. You know what? Because it's just me, and I, I'm sure I have lots of stuff that I'll be ranting about through the course of the episode. But, you know, what we'll do also open up the phone lines as well, give you guys a chance to call. I know it's been several weeks since we've been on the air after this long holiday break, so you may have some thoughts about the show you may just want to yell at me for being solo and and all the dumb nonsense i'll be that'll be coming out of my mouth uh you may want to just say hi to alexis you know maybe you've missed alexis and you just want to say hi but to her. we missed you too frank you shush no 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 that's not true but feel free to uh to start uh, start calling in but in the meantime i will uh just start breaking down some of the shows because it's been a while since we've talked so a lot of stuff has been happening in port charles and i guess we'll start with one thing that i guess is finally i'd hoped would reach a conclusion, but it seems like it's going to be drawn out a little bit further, and that is Hayden and Finn and their illness being cured. So, of course, Finn comes up with the, the, um, uh, the miracle solution there, working with Brad. They synthesize a, a drug, and they give it to Hayden, and it works. Hayden is cured, finally, after all, you know, the organs shutting down and potential system failure. It looks like it was going to be your last days. Uh, Finn goes rogue and says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sneak into the hospital. I'm going to give Hayden this cure. We're going to make it work. And it does work. So look at that. Finally, uh, Hayden is cured. And it appears, even though we don't see actually Finn taking the cure, everyone's talking about that he is taking it. But he's still showing signs of, uh, of I, I think it's symptoms of the, the disease. But well, I think we're realizing now it is just withdrawal from not actually, now that he's cured, he still needs the Zenzen that he was taking to kind of uh, stave off the effects of that, that illness. So now he's become just hooked on Zenzen. So he may be cured from the illness, but he's still got that drug with uh, that drug addiction now coursing through his veins. So, uh, great. So more with uh, Finn uh, and his medicine and more injection scenes. Uh, so excited about this. Not really. I just was hoping that they could just 
stop this uh, cold, but I guess it does make sense. This man was using a highly addictive drug, drug and during the whole course of this entire storyline, everybody talked about how addictive Zen Zen was, and everybody was freaking out when they found out that Finn was taking it. To they, they all just assumed he was an addict, not realizing that it was helping him stave off the effects of this illness. But uh, now that he doesn't have to worry about that, you can just see him kind of getting the shakes, uh, you know, and just injecting Zen Zen. So I don't know how long this is going to drag out. I would hope sooner rather than later. Let's just move on. Let's just see Finn and Hayden post uh, needles and see what happens with these two uh, lovebirds that are, uh, that are kind of having their blossoming love develop right in front of us. Uh, we also get to have Tracy there, uh, just being that kind of almost like parental figure in her life, even though Hayden's mom does show up because Elizabeth calls her and says, hey, guess what? Your daughter's dying. You need to get here. And I was really hoping that call would have been to Jeff Weber, but it does not turn out to be. It turns out to be Hayden's mom, who just happened to get uh, sprung from jail uh, and conveniently was not going to tell her daughter that she was out of jail until Christmas Day. So that's cool. Just been gone for months and months uh, and, and probably released from prison for months and months. And, you know, you know what? First person I call after I find out that I'm released from jail, after I take this hit for my daughter, I volunteer to go in prison in, in her place. I don't bother calling her to let her know I'm released. I'm just going to let her sit with that kind of those feelings of me being in jail, possibly, and uh, just come up months later and go, oh, guess what? I've been out for a while, but I decided to wait till Christmas to come and surprise you. Sure. Cool, Mom. Way to go. But I, I like that nobody really seemed to want her around very much. <laughs> I like that Tracy and Finn pretty much just like said, all right, get out. You said your hellos. You said that you care about her. So start stepping. So, you know, we'll kind of see uh, what the next step this Finn and Hayden relationship is. I assume that Finn is going to keep this Zen Zen addiction hidden from everybody else because he didn't want to show shines of weakness. But it's, of course, going to start affecting things. So we'll see how long this takes. I'm, I'm hoping less than a month. It'd be great to have them move on and I guess take him, you know, to some clinic, maybe do some detox with them or something so they can get him off of that and move on to something else. Uh, the other huge storyline that's been going on here is uh, Valentine, Nina, Lulu, Dante, Laura, and Anna. So we'll just put it on our huge umbrella. And I will say right now, the one thing I love about the storyline is I love how uh, awkward every Lulu and Charlotte interaction is and how much Charlotte does not really care for Lulu whatsoever, does not, re- you know, wonders if she spends too much time with Lulu, she starts getting uncomfortable and just wants to go home and hang out with Valentine. And I love seeing a Lulu just be stymied at this because now that she knows that this, da- that this daughter exists, man, she just is like a dog with a bone. She does not want to let it go. And uh, but and I like being like seeing her fail continually at these efforts to get this, and you know of course uh, she wants to go and get full custody from Valentine, and certainly that made it the dangerous situation because the way that Valentine was introduced and we've talked about this many times before is that he comes in killing Nicholas so already he comes off as a terrible bad guy as opposed to having some kind of like moral ambiguity some shades of gray to him we see him holding everybody hostage and killing Nicholas so already we are convinced that yeah. He's not a good guy. He's not really above board. And then the show had to really work to kind of show us more of the sympathetic layers. They introduce the whole connection with Charlotte, that he is indeed her father, and that his DNA was taken without his permission to help father this child there since Stavros couldn't do that. Uh, and, you know, you see that he had a rough childhood. So, you know, I, I felt like you were putting the they, – they made it so hard to dig out of that hole of Valentine. And even now – I have to admit, I, I do like the character better, but, man, I just uh, I think it would have been better if they had introduced him with more Shades of Grey as opposed to such a clear-cut, just bad uh, thing that he had done. But uh, I do like 
uh, Valentin kind of just slow playing it all. I mean, he knows that, of course, once Lulu found out about Charlotte, that she would most likely want full custody, given what he did to Nicholas, even though he will never admit that he actually did murder him. And who knows? For all we know, if Nicholas comes back on campus, we may find out that he and and Valentin were in on something. Who knows? There's many different ways you could write around to even further backpedal what Valentin did uh, to make him look more of a, at least, uh, if not heroic, at least morally gray person. Uh, But uh, so he starts kind of, he knows that that that's what Lulu's going to want to do once he finds out that Charlotte is indeed hers and and, uh, Valentin's. And I like that uh, Valentin's kind of slow playing it. His idea is like, all right, I wanted to show how bad of a parent that she is so that when she does try to uh, uh, sue for full custody, I'm going to have all this ammunition against her. So invites her over to Christmas Day uh, over at Gassadon Manor and uh, brings everybody over. And I, I just liked Lulu wanting to give her a gift that already Nina's given her. And so... And she's already feeling like she's failed with this. Uh, Charlotte really doesn't have much, want to do much with her. And yeah, I liked even Rocco in that scene. They bring young Rocco. And uh, the, the poor actor playing Rocco looked like he had very little interest in being that scene in real life because he kept on looking over to the side like, why am I here? What is going on? What am I doing? Uh, what I did like, though, is another guest that Valentin invites is he invites Emma and Anna as well. So it was nice to have Emma back on the canvas. Uh, the idea is that she came a little bit early for uh, for Christmas, so she's hanging out with Anna while Robin and Patrick are still flying in uh, from Berkeley. So they go over to Castanet Manor, and, of course, Anna uh, makes sure that Emma says, uh, reminds Emma, like, hey, guess what? You were just going to go. We're just going to hang out. You're not going to go snooping around for anything. And Emma says yes, but, of course, when she's there, I mean, she's she's a Scorpio. You know, she's got, you know, she's, you know, granddaughter of a spy. So our two spies, they're Robin and Robert and Anna. So, of course, given her own devices and, and knowing that, you know, her, her grandmother is trying to find some information on Valentine, she's going to take any opportunity she can to kind of put on her detective hat and kind of go sleuthing around and find something. And she does. Uh, as Anna and Emma leave and they get outside, Emma says she has another gift for Anna and gives her the photo that we've seen Valentine been looking at inside that little uh, little hope chest of his for a while. So, yeah, that was cool. I thought that was a really awesome scene for Emma to be able to have that moment, get that photo, and be able to give it to Anna and kind of propel that story a little bit further. And seeing uh, uh, Valentin's reaction to it, uh, just the way that he was screaming about it, and just like the look on his face as Nina comes in, I've lost it, I've lost it, and then have to backpedal because he doesn't want to tell Nina the whole scoop about what this, uh, this photo is. Uh, that, that was some really cool, cool stuff for James Patrick Stewart to play. And I will admit, if we're talking about, uh, if we're talking about Valentine and uh, Nina, I'm enjoying the way that this relationship is kind of developing. And I like the idea that even though Valentine, for you know, is you know, questionable morals, uh, he's done some terrible things, including t- killing Nicholas, uh, in terms of his relationships with Nina... Uh, he's been very straightforward with her, uh, you know, other than kind of revealing what the whole truth is about this photo of Anna that was taken from him. He doesn't really reveal all the full details of that, just kind of talks around the subject, but not talking directly about it. But uh, as he says, you know, it was a person that he was involved with earlier in his life, and now uh, he can open himself up and learn that he couldn't trust. And now with Charlotte, he learned to trust again. And Nina's feeling is, well, if you're able to open your heart to Charlotte and, and, and have that be a successful uh, execution of a, a trusting, loving relationship, then perhaps it shows that you can open your heart up to someone else and have that same kind of uh, reaction as well. Uh, and uh, Valentin's uh, opinion is, you know, I will always be tr- uh, 
uh, truthful with you. And I like the idea that this person could be that this this one person has uh, Valentine has this one person in his life that no matter what others actions may do with others with Laura uh, excuse me with Laura or Dante or Lulu or Anna uh, he will uh, kind of keep uh, Nina as his sort of his true as just like somebody that he's always going to be open and honest to and I like the idea of uh, the two of them having just a really open and honest relationship with each other and them being completely they may not. They may not approve of everything that, each other, that, that the others do, but as long as they're open and upfront about it, they will accept them for those actions because they uh, because they know the the whole part of them as opposed to just this one like kind of bad aspect. They're not judging them by the one action, but they're judging them as a whole open person since they've been so open with each other. So I like if they continue fostering the relationship in that direction. That would be really cool. Uh, but I... All I want to see right now for just a while longer is just a lot more scenes of Lulu trying to get together with Charlotte. Charlotte really getting tired of being with Lulu, wanting just to be, you know, back with Valentine, hanging out with Nina, just doing anything else other than hanging around with Lulu and just watch her spirits be crushed a little bit more. And the scene that I liked, the, well, there's two scenes because Laura, it's been great uh, since, since she's come back from that little break she took uh, and they kind of reconnected her with Kevin after the whole uh, Cassidy and Island affair, she kind of went away for a little bit. Then uh, her and Kevin kind of rekindled, which is great. And I was just waiting for her to kind of be be the badass. Uh, I mean, she's somebody that was you know married to Luke, Luke Spencer for years and years and years and years and had gone off on these adventures and kind of uh, became more worldly. And I was looking forward to seeing uh, Laura more in that mode, kind of being that fierce protector of the family now that Luke is off the canvas. And it was cool to see those scenes with uh, Laura and Anna talking. And uh, Laura saying, "Hey, uh, you know, I'm. If he does anything to my daughter or my, my my grandchildren, I will kill him." And Anna, as as much as she is trying to be, you know, follow the law, and she had her stumbling block there with Carlos, but uh, she's you know, and she you know certainly pay the the emotional consequence for that action, even though Carlos was still alive. Um, Anna, not knowing that at the time, really still tortured herself immensely for kind of stepping out against her moral compass and uh when she says by any means necessary and i do like that laura said well anna you know as a mother and as a god a grandmother that if your children and grandchildren were put in danger you would do the exact same thing and anna as much as she wants to be uh like you know she's the law and she wants to be above uh above reproach uh, knows that I guess if her family was put in danger, she would do whatever's necessary to protect the ones that she loves the most. So I like that that little moment there, they kind of realize like, all right, there, as much as you want to be uh, a law-abiding citizen and, and uh, there are things in your life that you will step outside the law because they mean that much to you. So I like that little moment between the two of them. But uh, the, the, uh, the other part, though, is I like Laura talking to Lulu. And you can see Laura just like she was, she was being the thinker right there uh like saying hey you know what you need to do is uh there's something fishy with valentine but you know what you can't go for adam full attack because he's going to be expecting you suing for full custody so instead just get joint custody right now and then start biding your time start just kind of laying you know laying the seeds there the wsb is investigating him they're going to find some information we start building our case we start building and building and building until we have enough information that boom we pull the rug out from underneath him and i love laura's thinking on that she had a great idea laid out and then you just see Lulu's reaction to it. And this was what killed me. Like, man, can we just talk about Lulu Spencer is just, she's disappointing me as a character on so many levels. Like, this, 
This is the daughter of, of Luke and Laura Spencer. This, I, it's just, I don't know what the writers are doing. They just, man, they, I just do not enjoy the way that this character is written at all. It's just, either she's got babies on the brain, uh, or now that she's with Charlotte, she just, you know, forgoes all reason. And, you know, it's like, where is the Spencer side of her that is cunning, that is trying to think ahead, to outplay the other one, to, to make a move, to play mind games with somebody, to kind of, uh, you know, play the long game. You're doing the long con. Where are those moves? I mean, you know, certainly, uh, you know, Luke can be impetuous at times, but he still was, he's always trying to think, outthink his opponents, trying to think ahead, uh, come up with, you know, alternative means to kind of make something happen. Never just attack just directly because, I mean, that, especially if the enemy knows you're coming, what sense is that? And for Lulu not to continually, not to, show any of those kind of Spencer characteristics. I mean, you know, they'll they'll name check him occasionally, but every time she's had a moment to kind of rise up and, and be a uh, kind of play the long con or, you know, take charge, be that hero, uh, they've, the writers have always kind of cut her off the legs for that. So whether it was back on Cassidon Island over the, uh, the summer when, uh, when, when Valentine was first introduced and was holding everybody hostage and she's in the catacombs and she gets her gun and uh, gets that gun and is going to go back and save everybody and then she immediately just gives up her gun. So, you know, that whole scene was just wasted. When it was set up for her to come in and start kicking butt and it was just wasted. So that was disappointing. And now you have her just clearly just not listening to Laura's plan. And that doesn't mean you have to love the plan. I mean, it's a sucks as a plan. I mean, you, because I, I agree, in, in respect, I agree with what Lulu was saying. It's like, certainly, yes, he killed Nicholas. Uh, so why would I want uh, my child, even though it's partly Valentine's as well, why would I want my child to run the killer of my brother for any length of time? I can understand that, but also, Lulu, you know, you're just, you're being dumb. You're being so dumb because you know you're playing right into his hands. And, I mean, he's been acquitted at every turn, so you've got to be smarter than him. You've got to just play the long game. You've got to get that information. You've got to lull him into a false sense of security. And then, then, like Laura was saying, that's when you pull the rug out from him. So those scenes right there are just, man, Laura, uh, Lulu, Lulu, you got to get it together. It's killing me. It is killing me just how uh, just irritating this character is. Uh what, uh, but now, uh, for the last thing we'll talk about this with Valentine and uh, that umbrella storyline there, is the, uh, the last thing that happens is because, of course, uh, Valentine, uh, a single parent. And so that makes it, yeah, compared to Lulu and Dante, uh, who have a stable family home, uh, they already have one child. Given Valentine's kind of dubious background, maybe being a single parent is not going to make him look so good in the eyes of the court, even though Laura says, hey, you know what, that's certainly not a guarantee. And in fact, at this point, uh, you, Lulu could actually lose. Uh, Nina hears this as well and has tried to talk to Lulu a couple times and Lulu just won't have anything to do with it because, and she's so short with Nina, like, oh, you, you know, you tried to take somebody's baby right out of the womb. What do I want to do with you? Uh, that I like that Nina just says, you know what, I'm going to do what you ever need, Val- whatever you need, Valentine, to make sure that Charlotte stays with you, I am in. So much so that she proposes to Valentine that, hey, you know what, why don't we get married right now? Uh, uh, when they decide to take advantage of uh, Maxie and Nathan's failed wedding, which we'll get to in just a second, because that that right there was was punishing, was punishing. But they get married, and so now they're hitched, and so you can see that kind of throws Lulu and Dante for a second. It's like all of a sudden now, uh oh, we've got somebody that uh, also is now married, and this woman uh, is desperately wanted a child. So how's this going to play out? And I hope it ends out in some resolution where. Nina gets to have Charlotte in her life because, man, this character has been denied 
this deep desire and drive to have a child for so long that to go through this whole thing and then have it at the end that she loses Charlotte, she loses Valentine, and she's back on her own again would just be it'd be just, it'd be disappointed to see done to that character again. But I talked about there for a second uh, why they were able to get married, and that's because Maxie and Nathan's wedding did not happen. And this was probably one of the low points uh, during our time away. For me personally, one of the low, low points. This was uh, from the second the episode started, and we see Maxie uh, sneezing, and she's got uh, cold symptoms. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be – this is going to stink. And it, the, the show did not disappoint. It was just terrible from just beginning to end, which – like, ugh. I, you know, so basically the whole reason that this that whole thing just existed was just to set it up so that the wedding doesn't happen so that Nina and, uh, and Valentin can get married at that point. So everything else, you know, once I kind of figured out what the end game of that was, that that whole why is this wedding happening today and was it, why is it so important? Once I saw how that tied in with uh, Dante or Valentin being a single parent, it's like, oh, man. All right. So this is what's going to happen. And just. What we had to go through to get to them finally saying, hey, guess what? You know, we're not getting married now. All right. That's cool. Uh, and <laughs> just from both sides, when we get Nathan uh, realizing that he's still married to Claudette and then Maxie being so sick that she uh, first takes too many sleeping pills and passes out. So they have to wake her up. And then, of course, she's all wet. Uh, she's sneezing. Uh, she sneezes coffee all over her wedding dress and then that's ruined. So she's too sick to do the, the ceremony. But, uh, and I'm just thinking, man, that's why Felicia was here. That's why Mac was here. Uh, that's why Lucy was here. That's why Robin was here. You have four great characters brought on for this just one day in these few scenes, and that was it. That was all we did. I mean, we have Lucy uh, practicing some lines that she's going to say during the ceremony and then bringing in a sign that she's going to be closing the chapel. That was it. That's why you brought Lucy Cohen. Uh, Lynn Herring, you bring her in just for that scene. And I was like, come on. And then Felicia and Mac, that's what they get to do. At least I enjoyed uh, Mac. He had like the sipping whiskey. Uh, and I did like the little, the little scene of uh, Dante, Nathan, and, and Mac toasting. And the idea that Nathan says you got to look at each other in the eye if you're going to toast. Otherwise, it's bad luck. So I like that moment. But, oh, man, just everything else about that whole wedding that never happened was just, oh, it was... So, so painful to watch. So painful to watch. Uh, I'm going to continue breaking down these stories. But, folks, if you want to chime in, give us a call. Share your thoughts about the storylines as well as I'm breaking them down. Feel free to give us a call. The number is 424-253-0749. That's right. That is your direct line to a good time right here on the GH Report. <laughs> Alexis will take your call right in the booth there. Uh-huh. Yep. Is that is that true? Can I say that, Alexis? Sure. Yeah? Yeah. Right. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Uh, the other uh, the other storyline we got here is the other one that's been driving me crazy too is Alexis and Julian. Can we just talk about these two knuckleheads for a while? Uh, this storyline, man, it's I again I see what they're trying to do with Julian and kind of some semi path of redemption. You're finding out that a lot of the actions that he had taken uh, weren't by his own accord. That he's being forced, as we know by reading the trades and stuff, that uh, his late his assumed to be deceased sister is back on the canvas as well and kind of forcing Julian to do these things. I I still don't understand where the, the knife against Alexis's throat uh came from anything other than just Julian snapping. Because I don't I don't think his wife uh, his sister would have said, you know what, and during this you need to put a knife through to your ex to your wife's throat. You need to do that. I I don't see that as a motivation. So I 
I can see them backpedaling some of the things, but I don't know how they're going to be able to still backpedal away from Julian holding a knife to Alexis's throat. And they seem like they're trying to make this couple kind of reconnect again. And, man, it's just, it is not fun watching any of those scenes. It is not fun watching just Alexis take drink after drink after drink uh, while Julian just sits on the couch because he can't really move too much. And he's got his crutch and he's got his leg bound up. Uh, and he's just calling her. He's like, I know you're drunk. You must be hungover. I emptied out your bottles. These scenes are just not exciting to watch. Oh, do we have somebody on the line? We do. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. Fingers crossed. Hi, you're calling into the GH Report live with Frank Moran. Go oh. ahead. Well, look at me. I sound so official. Live with Frank Moran? Is it- <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, sir. How uh, are you? Mike. Mike, yeah, how you doing, Mike bud? Mike from Hollywood. Mike from Hollywood. Good to hear from you. How's your New Year treating you? Oh, it's great. Excellent. So you've been watching GH through the break? Yes, I've been catching it off and on, so I'm glad you're recapping it. It, uh, there have been some highlights and there have been a lot of lowlights. I don't oh, know how you've been enjoying it. There's been it. a lot of lowlights. Oof. <laughs> what's, been, uh, what's been sticking with you? Well, I would say the Christmas miracle was not Hayden getting, was not um, Finn finding a cure for Hayden. It was actually that they brought all three of Elizabeth's kids on screen at one time. <laughs> yes. We uh, <laughs> finally name checked the other two. Like, hey, guess what? There are three kids here. Right, it's not just Jake. We have other kids. That was the highlight. <laughs> but, you know, I usually agree with you, but on the part I don't agree with you, because Nina is going to end up on the losing end. Man, uh, I, but it's like I, that's going to be so disappointing to see that done to that character again. That's going to be very frustrating. Well, I love Nina, but, you know, this is GH, and we know GH writers. Once they put a character in a certain spot, they will go through that same storyline 43 times before they get out of it. No, that's very true. And it almost seems like if it's a case like Patrick, who went through that storyline three times, and then he left the show. So I feel like you do that, and then... Patrick, Liz, Sonny is currently going through... Sonny and Carly are in the same storyline right now. Oh, man, that storyline. Man, we just need to get going with this Nell thing. Please. Yeah. So... That storyline is the same one, and they go. And Nina is now the desperate woman, and they gonna have her keep playing that role. I don't know when she gonna find happiness, but I don't think it's gonna be with Valentine. Uh, man, it's uh, yeah. It just I feel like this is gonna be uh, just you're setting this character up to have another disappointment. So she's gonna find out that she's given her heart to this guy, or she's already just. I feel like she's jumping in more because of the kid and less for even she's. Kind of intrigued by Valentine, but not completely head over heels for him. Well, Nina is a flawed character, so she kind of seeks out other men that are flawed, probably because she doesn't think she could get a upstanding good man. Yeah. Uh, now, because I... remember when she was with um, Rick? She was with Rick. He was. <laughs> that was another one. That See, is not... another storyline. That's Nina right. Being you. No, and I like that. Uh, I like that Nathan name checked that with Nina. So I was like, "What about Rick? What are you doing? You're doing the same thing." Right. Yeah, but you know when Brooklyn Ray when she stole when Emma stole that picture that was so funny to me. <laughs> I man, it was just it, that right there is like taking a character that hasn't been seen for a while. You bring him in for an episode and you give them a nice piece of storyline piece, a nice piece of the storyline to do. Yeah, and too bad they had to do it with a little kid and Felicia <laughs> comes in. 
and he breaks up fights and leaves. That was it. That was it. Like her and, and Matt gets a toast uh, with some whiskey, and then that was it. Like that's yeah, it. Yeah, they brought Felicia in there just to stand between Lulu and <laughs> Nina, so they didn't kill each other. Yeah. Uh, uh, so they, I, it's amazing how the the writers of GH will bring on these great ca- classic characters and do very little with them, and then they'll occasionally they'll surprise you and they'll do something with Emma and they'll have her do like a nice little piece of the story. You're like, no, that was great. Yeah, that was great. And um, Laura has been great. When she said she would kill Valentine, I really believed it. I was waiting for them to make Laura the center of her family and the protector of her family. So when she said that, I really believed her, too. Yeah, as did I. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, so, uh, Michael, uh, I will let you go because we have a few other callers on the line. But thank you so much for calling. And uh, we're going to be back. I think the whole, uh, at least uh, Lucretia and myself will be back here next week. So we'll uh, give us a call then. We'll, we'll continue the conversation. All right. You're doing a good job. Keep oh, good please tell your friends. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Happy New Year. Thanks. All right, we've got another call. Yes, we do. Look at that. Hi, you're calling into the GH Report with Frank Moran. Go ahead. Oh, man, sounds so official. Hey, Frank, it's Kelly from PEI. Hey, Kelly. Oh, my goodness, look at that. You only have me, me to deal with today. I apologize in advance. It's okay, darling. <laughs> so uh, what, what do you have to say about GH right now? I'd love to bury Nina and uh, Valentina in our 13 inches of snow that P.I. got. <laughs> really? I, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I've griped about how I feel like the way that I, – I, I like having a Cassidy on the show, but I feel like the way that he was brought on was so, so clearly a bad guy. It just makes it tough to really root for him at this point. Well, all Cassidy's are kind of creepy. So what's what's the difference with this guy? Yeah, but I feel like when when uh, uh, Stefan and Nicholas brought on, they they had uh, a lot of different shades of them, so that, you, know, you couldn't quite tell how they were going to fall sometimes. And I felt that made it more easy to root for them uh, from the get go. And I feel like Valentin, you're just like, man, this guy was a jerk. He killed Nicholas right out of the gate. So why should I care what happens to this guy? Yeah, but he's going to drag poor Nina down with him. Well, yeah, it's not going to end well because clearly he's got some kind of a fixation with Anna. Maybe he's going to. Drives Nathan up the wall. <laughs> as he is. I just uh, wish that wedding had a had happened. That's all. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you can see why it happened, just to make it tougher for uh, Lulu and Dante to get sole custody of Charlotte. Which uh, I don't know how you feel about those scenes with Lulu and Charlotte. I, I as I said, I, I love them so much that Lulu just gets frustrated that she can't make that connection she do, she so desperately wants with her child. Oh yeah, and. There wasn't a DNA uh, test or whatever to, to prove that she was, but she is his mother. Yeah. That got me kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, there was DNA tests flying all over the place for the dead, but nothing for the mom. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this whole child custody case uh, flies out. Uh, now, I will ask, what do you think the connection is between Anna and Valentina's, given what we've seen so far with her hypnosis session with Andre this week? <sighs> I... He's a rogue WSB agent, gone nuts. Oh, all right. And she and she's figured it out, or trying to figure it out. Yeah, clearly, whatever's in that white room is uh, that room that is all blinding white is so disturbing that she's having a tough time uh, uh, wanting to clearly remember what that it, that incident is. Oh, and by the way, Canda is going to miss Friday's episode because of what happened in Florida. Yeah, uh, in fact, everybody missed it on uh, Friday. So Friday's episode uh, nationwide did not air, so it'll air on Monday instead. So 
uh, uh, the West Coast side because I saw it flying all over uh, YouTube, not YouTube, um, Twitter and Facebook. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because uh, I'm out here on the West Coast and I did not get it. Ours was preempted. So. Yeah, ours, ours was too here on the West Coast. Uh, East Coast. Yeah. But I, according to uh, Nathan Valentini, or Nathan Bernie, whatever the heck his last name is, um, we're, it's going to be gone with the wind where somebody's going to get a a uh, uh, show that's already been aired and then a new show on Tuesday. Oh, all right. Well, that's so be- we're we're going to be missing Friday's episode. It's gone. Well, I'll just have to read the recaps online to catch up. <laughs> we'll do uh, next week. Uh, Lucretia and I will do a dramatic reenactment of that lost episode. Oh, please! <laughs> All right, <laughs> Kelly. So Jay's there too. There you go. Yes, Kelly. Thanks so much for giving us a call or giving me a call. Uh, I hope you have a great yeah. New Year, and we'll uh, talk to you uh, next week. We need to give you a newsletter. That pink one is not doing anything for you. No, you don't like this. No, it's not working for me. No. All no, right. We- and it on almost every show there, darling. <laughs> well, thank you so much for calling, Kelly. Uh, happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Want to do one more? Well, why not? Let's do one more, and then we'll continue on with a few last breakdowns. Hello, you're calling the GH right here with Frank Moran. Say your name and where you're from. Hi, it's Simran from Florida. Ah, Simran, how are you? I'm good. Hey, Frank. Wow, you're holding down the fort. Well, I don't know if you'd call Crazy. it that. I'm I'm merely <laughs> occupying space uh, while the two other superstars of the show are off gallivanting across the country. Uh, you're doing a great job. Um, I just wanted to comment on a couple of things that have just really been, I feel like you, because I've been ranting in my own head about this, about Lulu. <laughs> Oh my god she is like nuts she needs to chill i don't know what they've done with the lose character lately i just i wish she had lost her memory again remember when she lost her memory yes. a couple years ago she needs to chill out because i feel like she's just being wasted at this point, no, I, you don't want to root for her anymore. You know what I mean? No, and I feel like it, if you didn't know that she was Luke and Laura's daughter uh, and you never saw Laura around her, you would not know that she was a Spencer. And that's what's so frustrating. Seriously. You ugh. Like, she needs to go hang out with Tracy again because I feel like Laura's being a bad influence on her, to be honest. But, you know, I felt like her and Laura's conversation, Laura laid out the exact game plan. That was smart thinking. That was a smart strategy. And Lou's mm-hmm. like, no, I'm not going to listen. I just want his daughter now. Like, ugh. Whatever. Well, they're not like they're not even like, and this is getting into the writing. They're not using Laura to the, her full advantage, like potential. Obviously, she's such a legacy character. She should be in the thrill of things, like in the middle of everything, like taking down. Not it's her time now, you know. But nope, they're just wasting it on these. Like now, they're why is there so much screen time for now? It's driving me up a wall. She's ruining like. I commented a couple of weeks back that a lot of good scenes are being ruined because now it's always in the background, like creeping on everybody. It's ridiculous. It is so. This whole and Nell is just so obnoxious. Like when she's over at the Sunny's place and she's like, you know, guess what? Because I gave you, the, I gave you, the, I gave Carly those gloves. You know, I, that proves I'm never going to say anything about our stuff. Oh my god! And she's just like staring everybody down. Like, bruh, calm down, okay? Like. And I just don't get it. Like, I've been reading articles like, you know, oh, maybe she's probably dark. I just, I don't see 
anything that can be the case that would make this interesting at all at this point. I'm just like, you know what? Can we can she just please die? And poor Michael, he never gets a good story. He's always like a side piece to Sunny and Carly's. So, and I like Sunny and Carly. I do. But come on now. It sucks. So now, because she's been looking at this this stupid mu- music box forever, and we finally get to see what the name of the on this side of this rattle is. Finally, and that's like the only new piece of information we get. So, but like, I, it, it's so odd because it, that doesn't even. So it, I don't know. I don't know. I just want her to die. Bye. Yeah, Bye just, now. Ugh. I was, I was so excited because I liked the actress with the whole flashback thing. Mm-hmm. I was so excited that they were bringing her on. I was like, okay. And even her and Michael had good chemistry in the beginning, but now it's just. Just kind of like disgusting, and you're like, "What? Oh, it's so gross." What? I, and one last. Oh, go oh, for go it. Ahead. No, go ahead. I, all I said, all I want to see is, I want to see if you're going to use Bobby, have her be because I, I like that Bobby's got Nell's number. But like, let's have Bobby be on canvas more to see her get more involved in the storyline, not just pop exactly. up every so Exactly. I love Bobby right now because she's just giving, like she's just not taking any of Nell's BS. She's <laughs> yes. just giving her the side eye the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> but we only see and her like last- once a week. Go for it. The last thing is, I'm really, I really like the Hayden and Finn dynamic a lot. I think they're a really good couple to explore. I just don't like the stories surrounding them. I'm so done with the whole, you know, drug thing or whatever, you know, sick thing. Yeah, lizard thing. Like, stop. Because it's like, just I don't know, understand why he's being so secretive about it. Like, people know that he's been taking Zen Zen. Why not just come forward to Hayden and Tracy and say, guess what, man, I'm. I'm having a tough time withdrawing from Zen Zen. I think I need to do some kind of detox. But he's not, and I don't understand I why. He wants to be a man. Men. Oh, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're jerks. We are. We think we do it all ourselves. And last thing, I just want to, because I don't think I've been able to say it. Like, I really, I know you didn't like him, but I really, really miss Morgan. You know, oh, come on. Favorite. No. Simon, this conversation was going yes. so well, and then you pull this right at the end? What? <laughs> I miss Brian Craig. I miss the sweatpants. <laughs> Maybe the sweatpants, but you know, I, ugh. I, I don't mind the actor. Uh, no, the actor's great, but like when he comes back or whoever comes back is Morgan. I look well, forward to the whatever the new storylines. The story storylines again, they just kept going in the same circle with Morgan that you just felt like, well, you know, I don't even care anymore because it started off good, but then it was like, ugh. yeah, uh, I, I could understand why Brian Craig would want to explore other opportunities. And for sure, for what, sure. Yeah, whatever happens with that character, I'm excited because I feel like they can put him in a totally different space when he comes back on the canvas now, and I'm excited about that. You see, you're. I've talked to my like my my friends and stuff like that because we watch GH2, and you're another person who says when he comes back. I think he's going to come back too. Yes, I think. I mean, because I, I could see it's just you, know, you go out, you kind of explore your other options for a while, and then you know, realize like, hey, you know, maybe the I, something a little bit more steady that uh, mm-hmm. is, is a great thing. So. Uh, well, I'm excited because I'm going to meet him next month, so because we have like a fan thing coming in Orlando. So nice. Well, <laughs> uh, ask him when he's going to come back on the show. <laughs> I, I will. I, I'm, I'm going to hound him. No, I don't want to be one of those people. I have to keep it cool, you know. Keep it cool. Keep it cool. Be, be chill. There you go. <laughs> just just smell him. Just, that's all you do. Just, you know, just just a little bit. Sniff the neck a little bit. That's right. <laughs> all right, Zimmer. Thank you so much for calling. It was so great. All right, no problem. Have a great New Year, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, peace out. All right, bye bye. Alexis, we did it. We ran that little phone gauntlet. Nice job. Oh, please, come on now. 
I'm I'm just a, I'm just a simple guy, you know, in front of a mic. Who can talking. do no wrong? Here we go. Oh, I can do lots of wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, so another storyline we got coming up here is uh, we're talking about Alexis and Julian. Uh, this. Uh, kind of has a little umbrella effect over some other storylines as well, including Jason, Curtis, and Sam, and Rudge, the mysterious pawn shop owner that uh, that we know from Mr. Waiting to Reveal uh, Tanya Walker, who's going to be playing uh, Julian and Ava's uh, supposedly deceased sister, who we're only seeing by you know parts of the sleeve, maybe the hand. That's all we're seeing so far. So Rudge is basically being her spokesperson out in the field right now until we get her official on-screen debut. Uh, but we get to see uh, a little bit closer uh, because, well, who else did we have back this week? We had Lucas. Finally, Lucas. Where's this guy been hiding? And it, which was nice. If you're going to bring this character back, you brought him back. But he's able to at least give a piece of information to kind of propel another storyline forward. Which, in the case, it was uh, Jason Curtis and Sam and their investigation down to who did who was behind the bombing on Julian's car. And when Sam uh, was going to show Lucas a picture of uh, Danny, he's like, "Oh, wait, this is a picture from." Our investigation, uh, it's this, uh, uh, this Chinese takeout bag. And Lucas realizes, like, oh, wait, I've studied enough Chinese to know that what those Chinese characters are is not what that bag says. It says something totally different, and it's, uh, it says, re- uh, you know, resurrection? Is it resurrection or reincarnation? One of the two. Uh, so it says something totally different. And those, that, those same Chinese characters were on the boat that was inside the pawn shop. And I did like the scene where Curtis and Jason, man, they make a great team. Again, I will talk about how much I'm enjoying the... Uh, Specifically, the Jason and Curtis team, uh, and then it's nice to have Sam folded in there. Of course, being pregnant, she's a little bit out of the uh, the, the nitty gritty of the PI case, but uh, she's still there as a kind of a wing support to uh, bounce ideas off of. So it's basically Curtis and Sam, uh, Curtis and Jason doing the, the the you know the feet on the ground, kind of going out and doing that work. And I like that dynamic. I like the, them having a simple strategy of hey, you know what. Curtis is going to fur- uh, follow Rudge as he leaves the, uh, the pawn shop, which means it's uh, unoccupied, and that's going to allow Jason to break in, do some snooping around, find out some more intel about what's really going on in there. That uh, We know that there's a camera that sees everything that's happening in the pawn shop. So when Julian's sister sees Jason in there, she calls the police because she wants to get Jason out of there. And Curtis, of course, has got his, uh, his, you know, his police radio, his police scanner inside his vehicle. So he's able to call Jason to get him out. It's just... I really like the, the, that, uh, the dynamic they're building between the two of them. Not to mention the two of them working in a food kitchen so they can find the, the homeless person that was supposedly planted the bomb on Julian's car. So to see them kind of interacting and uh, starting to interrogate that subject was, was really cool. So, again, uh, bright spots of this terrible umbrella storyline, which is seems to be kind of redeeming Julian in a sense, but then also in some weird way kind of re- reuniting Julian and Alexis. Uh, I mean, they do have the, that Christmas Day or Christmas Eve kiss, which uh, Julian kind of, as much as Alexis plays it off, Julian feels like, hey, you know what? I saw what was going on there. You may say you're playing this off, but I know what's what. That was a kiss. Was uh, you? We really connected there for a moment. And Alexis was like, nope, you know what? I just fooled you. I kind of played you like you played me. I kind of gave you what you thought you wanted, and then I pulled it away from you. So I, I, I don't know. Uh, I feel like they're letting Alexis hear enough other people kind of harass Julian and kind of try to make him do what they say, like especially Rudge, that she's starting to kind of come around to believe that Julian wasn't in control of everything that he had to do while he was married to Alexis. So still, I don't know how they're going to get away, get around the knife to the throat thing, let alone how are they going to explain this kind of 
reuniting to everybody in Port Charles, especially specifically their friends and loved ones, specifically, you know, most importantly, you know, all their, their, their daughters, uh, how they, how are they going to make that, that kind of fly? I don't know. Uh, but the, uh, uh, the other part of that storyline that was kind of cool is that, uh, of course, Alexis, uh, has some involvement with Tom Baker and Tom Baker's been involved in the Franco and Liz storyline. Franco, of course, catches him, puts him in that dog cage for a while with the dog collar, He's uh, Tom Baker is able to escape out of there, turn the tables on Franco, put Franco in the dog cage for a little while. Franco has some kind of trip of the mind, kind of goes on this experience, kind of realizes like, hey, you know, I got to be a different person than what it was. I got to be worthy of Elizabeth's love. Uh, gets out, and uh, we then we find out that Tom Baker's been killed. Uh, and the person that seems to be have been with him on his last night alive was Alexis. Again, they meet at this this t- this bar on the outside of town. And they hook up on, uh, like, just right before Christmas Eve on this when they're having a little Christmas party. And uh, Alexis has gone there to kind of just drink some vodka. And it seems to be that she left without paying her tab. Tom Baker comes out, kind of, uh, you know, kind of gets a little uh, inappropriate with her. And then we don't see what happens yet, so we got to figure out what the storyline is. But, I mean, he's dead. So it's not going to be Alexis that killed him. But certainly she was around that last night. So who knows exactly how much that, if Alexis actually saw the killer, uh, and, and it's just kind of blanked out, drunk, and doesn't quite remember who the killer is. Or she had passed out, and Tom had left her alone and went away and then got killed. But what I can't figure out is Tom, so he escapes, and he's making this big deal. Like, all right, you know what? I'm out of this house. I'm out of this room. I've turned the tables. Franco's in the cage. I'm free. I'm really going to stick it to you, Franco, now. Uh, and I felt like that he was going to go after Elizabeth, or he was going to go after Kiki, or he's going to do something that was kind of close to Franco uh, to make him pay. And instead, it just turns out that, that he happened to just go over to this bar that he and he just happens to run into Alexis again and then somehow he gets killed over in that area. So I don't understand Tom Baker's mo- motives that night either because he seemed to leave Franco Studio with such a clear-cut sense of I want to pay you back uh, for how you treated me and just make you hurt as much as you kind of embarrassed and humiliated me. And no, nope, uh, that didn't seem to happen at all. So I'm kind of wondering where the writer's going with the storyline because for a character, character-wise, it doesn't make any sense the way they kind of set Tom Baker leaving that scene. Uh, but of course, uh, with Tom Baker dead, Franco's brought in first because you know certainly he threatened to kill him in a general hospital in front of dozens of people. So of course he turns up dead. The police are going to want to talk to him first. And I like the scene between Liz and Franco in the interrogation room as Dante. Uh, well, first Liz calls Scotty, which is cool. So already Scotty's right there waiting at the PCPD, waiting for Franco to get brought in so that he makes sure Franco doesn't get questioned without him present. So I like that. But after Scotty and Dante kind of leave the room for a moment to kind of talk about some things, uh, Liz and Scott, uh, Liz and uh, Franco get into it. And the scene was, it was irritating me the day before. Where he, uh, the cops came to pick up him, uh, Franco, for questioning. Was that Franco was taking forever to say the truth that he would. He would tell, yeah, he, he told Jake, you know what, guess what, I got I to gotta tell your mom something because, you know, uh, we, we can't have a lie between us on Christmas. Uh, and then took forever to draw it. And it was so irritating how the show let every scene between them just kind of drag out and they get interrupted and dragged out and then interrupted uh and then he gets uh brought in for questioning and then that gets dragged out and i finally like that liz just snapped and said stop dancing around it just tell me what happened just tell me stop it stop it stop it and i like every time franco would start to kind of hem and haw and kind of try to justify it she would just like stop it just tell me what happened right now so that is a scene that i did enjoy uh and i'm curious to see where that's going to uh, leave, uh, I mean, Elizabeth is, you know, kind of realizing that, hey, uh, Franco, that's, it's great if you're on Franco's side, because he 
for better or for worse, will do whatever it takes to kind of keep you safe. But is that the kind of person that you want around in your life? Because certainly what he may do to keep you safe, eh, he may not uh, be on the up and up. So curious to see what that means for Franklin and Liz going forward. Uh, another love loves cop, uh, love struck couple here is uh, Dylan and Kiki. Of course, it's kind of uh, what pits on them when Kiki thought that Dylan was just getting her job at uh, Crimson to kind of keep her around to kind of make Kiki kind of uh, fall for Dylan. And uh, since that night after she slapped him, it kind of been really chilly between them, especially with Dylan towards Kiki. It's like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to keep my distance. We're pretty much done. And when Kiki sees uh, Dylan and uh, Valerie talking over at uh, Kelly's and assumes that they are together now. She gets so uh, so emotional, like I really blew it, that she decides that uh, she's going to move back to Los Angeles. She's going to move to Los Angeles to get a job, start all over again. At the same time, Dylan, who's been teasing this every time things tend to go bad for him in the relationship department, always uh, says to Tracy, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing here in Port Charles. It's not really working out. Uh, I'm heading back to Los Angeles. i got to start back my film career. got to start back being a filmmaker. So he heads back to Los Angeles too, and you're, uh, you know, you're, you're quarter mates, you're very rich, very rich family. You should be able to get a plane. Uh, instead, he decides he's going to take the bus, and I have no idea why. He, why Dylan Quarterman decided he was going to take a bus, uh, other than it was just con- the most convenient plot excuse to get him and Kiki in the same space, confined for at least five hours as they drive from as they drive from Port Charles to Detroit, which is their first stop that Dylan could get off to leave Kiki travel on the rest of the way to Los Angeles in peace. So uh, they, uh, I guess, you know, they, they, they make out, they, they have a little drink, uh, celebrate the new year. So it seems that they're trying to finally get these characters together, which, like, man, uh, all I can say is it's about time. It is, it is about time because uh, I have to admit, my enthusiasm to see this couple together has, and it's, yeah, I feel bad, it's diminished. Because the show jerked us around so many times with they're getting together. Nope, they're not. They're getting together. Nope, they're not. That now by the time it feels like they're going to like, hey, guess what? Now they're going to be together. It's like, you know what? I At this point, I, I don't really care that much. My enthusiasm for this couple has kind of dwindled. And it's no fault due to the actors. They do have chemistry together. It's just like, man, the the writers just waited too long to let them have that moment, let them get together. So that now I'm just like, yeah, all right great, they'll be together, and I'm not that excited about it. So uh, I wish I was more excited about the two of them together. And hopefully when they are together and they have some more scenes and they're able to just be in a relationship and we'll see what kind of trials and tribulations they can uh, go through together as a couple, I'll get more on board with the two of them. But right now, you know, I'm just like, yeah, all right. I wish I wish I could be more excited. Uh, and then, of course, we have Robin back in town. Robin shows up. She has, of course, over at uh, uh, Maxie and Nathan's wedding. Uh, kind of wasted there. But then she does have a scene where she reconnects with Sonny for a little bit uh, and touches base with him. So always nice to see Robin hanging out with Sonny and reconnect with him for a little bit. Uh, I wish I could have seen a scene with uh, uh, Robin and Jason because I know she was going back to the Metro Court to, to talk to Robin, uh, Jason, and Sam. And I would have loved to seen more of that conversation uh, or any of that conversation at all. Uh, so it's a shame, but it, uh, I will take Robin at least interacting with Sonny if I can't get Robin interacting with Jason. Uh, we also get Diane with Alexis, so uh, we get to see Alexis come cl- a little bit of clean with uh, Diane, but also uh, I, I, hopefully Diane is smart enough to start picking up the signs that maybe Alexis is not doing as well as you know, she would hope, uh, given the fact that uh, Alexis did none of the uh, the, the volunteer uh, uh, pro bono work at a at, at a uh, law uh, 
law practice there uh, to help uh, low-income people with uh, legal advice. So she didn't do any of that. Uh, That's not really going to help her with her uh, getting re-approved for her bar. Uh, So I'm hoping that Diane starts picking up on the subtle signals that maybe Alexis is kind of crumbling part of the scenes. And then we can get the storyline we've talked about where Diane can help Alexis through this journey back to sobriety, which would be great. Uh, And... I, I, I uh, will just give it up for real briefly. Uh, anytime you get to see Scotty and Franco kind of bicker at each other like uh, like petty kid and petty, uh, petty adult is always great. Those, those moments are great. Although it was creepy when Scotty tells Liz, Liz, you've always been a good girl. And for some reason hearing Scotty call Liz a good girl just That's seemed creepy. really creepy to me. I was like, oh, all right, you could have figured out a better way to say that, couldn't you have? Uh, and then we've got uh, uh, Ava and Julian uh, just uh, kind of figuring out like... I do like any time that Ava just starts uh, laying into Alexis about being a lush. Uh, not you, Alexis. The show, Alexis. I was going to say, I was like, excuse you? No, no, no. Nobody Squeeze me? <laughs> Everybody loves when you're a lush here, Alexis. What? Duh. <laughs> Get with it. Get on my level. That's right. Uh, and then, oh, the uh, the last uh, kind of uh, romantic triangle, as we get ready to close this up, is Curtis, Jordan, and Andre. And certainly left it very tense before the holidays. Uh, and... and you saw a lot of chemistry between Curtis and Jordan and figuring out what the next step was that, what that was going to be. And, you know, admittedly not really seeing any chemistry, as much of chemistry between Andre and Jordan. And uh, them coming back now and kind of reconnecting after the holidays. Yeah, man. Uh, we see uh, Andre kissing Jordan out on a bench out there outside in Port Charles. And it just felt like at that moment, like Andre was way more into it than Jordan was. Like, like Andre wants to like eat her face when he goes in for that kiss and you can see Jordan is just kind of gross yeah it was they just wanted to eat her face and Jordan's hands were just like she didn't like clench onto him she just kind of kind of like held his elbow for a second (laughs) it didn't seem like she was really into that kiss who makes out and is like ooh yeah elbow I'm just gonna hold this elbow that's what I'm gonna do that's the best way to make out that's right that elbow (laughs) look at that elbow Mm, yeah this elbow so pointy I love it uh, so Went too far, Frank. Uh, did, I'm sorry. Too far. I don't know my line, my boundaries. 2017, man. I see guess that start... line? You see it? You crossed it. I did. Oh, man. It looks so far distant back behind me. <laughs> I went so far. Yep. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to slowly make my way back as we start winding down for the show here so I can land on the side of political correctness by the time we end. What a great goal for me to achieve in 2017. We'll see. We'll see if that's possible. Uh, but I feel like uh, the, the days for Andre and Jordan are numbered, for sure. And especially... If we can get more scenes with Andre and, and Anna, I'd rather see the two of them working together and, and, and kind of reigniting that uh, that that definite chemistry between those two characters. I'd rather see the two of them get into a relationship, head off, do spy, uh, psych adventures. Let them do that, and just like Curtis and Jordan, get it, get their freak on, as we'd like to say. Isn't that what we like to say, Alexis? I think so. Yeah, I think that's what the kids are saying now. That's what, yeah. Let's get your freak on, or something. There you go. Get your yeah, get your freak on. Uh, is that Missy Elliott? That's Missy Elliott, right? Yeah. There, look at me, guys. I've got my finger on this pulse, <laughs> oh, Frank, right? Oh, you're so cool. <laughs> I'm so cool, guys. Let me pull out those really current pop, pop culture references. You do uh, it, man. I'm doing you it. You do it. I'm so proud of you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think that's going to break us down basically to the week that was down here in Port Charles. Look at that. It's been several weeks since we've been together. But, boy, uh, these recaps made it feel like no time had passed at all, uh, which is, I don't know if that's good or bad. 
uh, in some ways, very frustrating in some of these story fronts here on Port Charles. But I'm hoping 2017, uh, a whole new year, whole new uh, story possibilities that could happen. I'm looking forward to some twists and turns. I hope you folks are as well. And don't rest assured, we'll be covering it every single week here, Sunday nights at 530 here or thereabouts here on AfterBuzz TV. Uh, but uh, for this week, this is going to be the last part of the Sunday Soap Block here. Uh, the Restless Wrap-Up as well as the, the Bold Breakdown will not be happening this evening because Lucretia and James are both out of town. So it'll just be the uh, end of the Soap Block here with GH Report. But we'll be back next week, and next week's the 15th, right? Yes, next week is the 15th. Yes, so, I believe so you know who's going to be back in here, ladies and gentlemen? The one, the only, James Mott, Mott Jr. He'll be back in this chair uh, making you all excited. Uh, making you forget about this terrible travesty of a show whoa, that I whoa, put whoa. forward. You shut to... your mouth. I was what? part of the show, too. You can't call it a travesty. <laughs> uh, I was the part of the show that was terrible. Alexis no, was part of the show it. that no. was great. So. I'm going to make you positive for 2017, Frank. It's going to happen. Is that, that going to happen? Yep. That's my, that's my only resolution. Wow. All right. <laughs> it's not to get married. It's no, not to no. have a great year. It's just to make sure that Frank stays positive. You know what? I'm positive you did Oh, yeah. See, even Mark said it in the booth. He was like, stay positive, Frank. <laughs> I'm trying, guys. I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> oh, and Juliet says, love you, Frank. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Juliet. That means so much. Oh, look at that. So, folks, we're going to call it a wrap right now. But, you know, folks, like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on, I- five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hop in the chat. Uh, usually, Lucretia's here. She's got her computer. Uh, James has it as well. So they're able to kind of read and comment on what you guys are talking about in the chat. They'll be back I've here next week. i busy, so no worries. Oh, awesome. So look at that. Thank you so much, Alexis. My, my voice to the side who kept me on the straight and narrow uh, throughout this whole episode. I couldn't I have done it without you. You did amazing as always. Uh, and lifted up this mediocre talent. Woo, and they're all saying great job. Oh, guys, look at that. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you for starting off 2017 with a kind lie. I appreciate that so much. Uh, so, uh, folks, you can, of course, like our Facebook play- page. We are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds away from 2,000 likes, our next milestone, where James Lott Jr. will basically just do anything that you want for you. Because uh, he's going to, that, that's how awesome that prize is going to be. When we hit 2,000 likes, man. Oh, holy cow. It's a James Lott Jr. lottery that you're going to be winning. I'm really setting James Lott Jr. up for this. Uh, but in the meantime, folks, as I said, uh, follow us on all those social media platforms. You can also follow me on Twitter if you want to continue the conversation uh, on Twitter about anything GH-related or just about anything at all. Just ask me about my favorite pizza or what kind of pie I like. Go ahead and do that, too. I'll answer. I'm happy to do that. Uh, you can do that at Happy Go Jackie, and we will see you back here one week from tonight, back here in the GH Report with James Lott Jr., Lucretia Lyon, and myself, and Alexis, as always, in the booth. Happy Bye. New Year, everybody. Bye, y'all. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 